Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message today. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit lhachurch.com. You have your Bibles, if you'll take them, then let's... Uh, we're going to be, again, this week in Second Chronicles chapter 20, but to get us there, I'd like us to go together to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter number 5. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter number 5, beginning in verse 14, Jesus makes an emphatic statement about your life. I shared with you last week, this is really a statement he's making on the purpose of our lives. It's about who we are. Often we can feel like my life doesn't have any purpose, my, my life doesn't have any value, and we, we see other people whose lives maybe are making a big difference, and we think, I'll never be anything like that. Jesus makes an emphatic statement right at the beginning of this passage, and he says this, you are the light of the world. We often think, well, I, I'm going to become one day. Maybe one day in my life I'll get to that point. Jesus makes a statement about you. And once you've received Christ Jesus as your Savior and Lord, there is a transformation that takes place in your life. And Jesus makes this statement, you are the light of the world. He goes on and says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine, notice these words, before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Holy Spirit just spoke something in my heart as we were reading through that passage. Jesus has declared over our lives that we are the light of the world. And we read the next portion where it says, A city sent on a hill that cannot be hidden, and neither do people, I want you to notice this part, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Often God has lit the lamp of our lives, and we've put the bowl on it. God has lit the lamp in our lives. He's put the light of life in us. He's put Jesus Christ in our hearts. He's made a transformation. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Everything has become new. We are changed. We are transformed. We are renewed. We are refreshed. We are made brand new in Him. And often we then, because of our inabilities or how we feel about ourselves or how we see ourselves, we put a bowl over the light. The bowl can be a lot of things. The bowl can be fear. Fear to step out. The bowl can be doubt. The bowl can be, I don't see myself the way he sees me. The bowl can be looking at our lives and saying, my life's not of any value, and I'll never be what they are, and I can never do what they do, and I can never be what they are today. The bowl sometimes can be our past. How many of y'all have a past? The truth is, all of us in this room have some areas of our past that we're not proud of. Those things that now when we look back, we think, what in the world was I thinking? Oh, Lord, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I act that way? Why did I make those decisions? We have a past. And for many of us, the past keeps us back, and actually what it does, it takes the light that Jesus has put in us, and it puts a bowl over it. Yeah. 
A light is only good for extinguishing the darkness. I would submit to you this morning, you put a bowl over the light and you leave it long enough, the light will go out. The light was never intended to be covered up. I shared with you last week, if we were to go outside in the bright sunshine and you were to light a candle, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference, does it? But tonight, about 10.30, if you go out, you light that very same candle, it'll be seen for hundreds of feet away. The light is intended to shine in the darkness, and you and I live in a very, 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 very dark world today. Often we do not allow the light, we don't allow the light to shine because of things we're wrestling with. We've chosen to put the bowl over the light. There are things that God calls us to do, and we put the bowl of inability over the light. I don't have the giftings. I don't have this. I don't have that. I would say most likely when Angie got up here today, she was probably a little nervous. Just a wee bit. <laughs> when God calls us to do something, usually it's outside of our comfort zone, isn't it? God says, I want you to go speak to that person. Well, what will they think? God says, I want you to do this. And what do we do? We get our bowl out. Because we feel safer inside the bowl. <laughs> It was never the intention for him to put life in us and then for us to cover it up. There are things that God has put inside of you and things that God has put inside of me that he wants to get out of us so that it can touch other people's lives. While we were in worship this morning, I was praying, God, quiet our minds. How many times do we wrestle with thoughts just constantly, constantly going on, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm this, I, I'm talking too much, I'm not talking enough, I'm this, I'm that. It's a constant thing that's going on. I pray in the name of Jesus, God will quiet your minds. Quiet your minds so that you can walk in the freedom that he's created you. It is for freedom, the Bible says, that Christ has set us free. Quiet all of the thoughts that keep us, quiet all the things that keep us putting the bowl back over and to live your life without the bowl. Live your life as a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. It doesn't matter. You say, I don't have this, I don't have, none of those things matter. In fact, if you go in the dark night and you light a candle, the only thing that gets the attention is the light. Nobody sees anything else. It's the light. Nobody sees the hand holding the candle. Nobody sees the candle. They only see the light. That's why how you look, how you think, how you feel doesn't matter. All that matters is the light. Oh, Jesus, quiet our minds. Quiet ourselves so that the light can just shine from our lives. Notice that what the passage says. They don't put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. A stand is not a, an obscure place. The stand is out in the middle where people are at. And he said it gives light to everyone in the house say, in the same way. Let Notice what he does here. He says, let your light shine. Can I ask you today, are you letting your light shine? Are you letting your light shine? You say, well, I know that so-and-so over here, man, their light really shines. And I know this person, their light really shines. And I know, wow, they're, they're so uh, open to sharing the God. They let their light shine. I'm asking you today, do you let your light shine? Notice the passage. It says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. And praise your Father in heaven. 
As we let the light shine, it has nothing to do with us. It's not about us. It's about him. As followers of Jesus Christ, our lives are to have a leading influence. As followers of Jesus Christ, our lives are to have an effect on the world around us. As followers of Jesus Christ, our lives should stand out in our society in a positive and a spiritually enlightening way. This happens not only through our words, but it also comes through our actions. One of the ways that you and I can have a leading effect that has meaning and effectiveness in the lives of other people comes as we lead in the influence of prayer. The greatest thing we can do is to pray for others. Often, we do prayer as a last resort. Well, at least we can pray. (laughs) We've tried everything to fix it. Well, man, if we can't fix it, we'll pray. When the truth is prayer is the greatest ministry that you and I can do because we know this today. Every time as a follower of Jesus Christ that you begin to talk to the Father, he's not only listening, but he's hearing you. He knows your voice. In this passage in 2 Chronicles 20, you can turn there with me if you want to, 2 Chronicles 20. We have an incredible story here about King Jehoshaphat. Probably one of the greatest examples of leading in the influence of prayer. I don't want to take a lot of time uh, this morning, but I do want to kind of catch us up a little bit where we left off last week. Some of the things we talked about was this you need to learn to pray now. We're always waiting. I say especially probably in more of a charismatic environment. We're always waiting on something that's great that's going to happen. We're always like, well, one day this is going to happen. My challenge to you is this. Learn to pray now. Learn to pray now. Learn to pray now. Don't wait till trouble shows up on your doorstep. Learn to pray now. Don't learn to try to, uh, you know, I'm thankful that he is a life preserver for us. But don't wait until the flood comes in to start using the life preserver. Secondly, last week we talked about this. Problems are a part of life. I don't like problems. You don't like problems. Nobody likes problems. But they're a part of life. It would be my desire to avoid them but I can't run fast enough and swift enough to avoid all the problems in life. The Bible tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, aren't you glad for the Lord? The Lord delivers us from them all. King Jehoshaphat has received word that his enemies have come and they are surrounding them on their way, if you will, to swallow them up and destroy them. Verses 3 and 4 talks about the fact, I love the, the thought of this passage. It begins with the word alarmed. We've all been alarmed before. Things that have happened, we've been alarmed by them. Immediately, the Bible says, alarmed, Josh Fat resolved to inquire of the Lord. We talked last week about the fact that if you stay close to God in prayer, When trouble comes, God won't seem to be at a distance. How many times have we walked through things and we say, man, it seems like God is a million miles away from me. Friend, I want to encourage you to stay, keep your life in an attitude of prayer. The Bible talks about walking and being continually in the spirit of prayer. How do I do that? As I'm walking through the day, I'm talking to him. As I'm in the car driving the road, I'm talking to him. When I'm outside and, and, and I see the beautiful blue sky and I hear the birds singing and I'm just talking to him. Just in an attitude of prayer. 
Many aren't sure exactly how to do that often, and they are hindered from walking close to him. I don't want to encourage you if you say, I'm not sure how to. I just want to encourage you, just start doing it. I shared with you last week, Paul and I have been married now for over 29 years, and uh, I did find out last week, I told you last week, our first date was Jim Danny's, and Jim Danny's is gone. Then I found out of Cersei there's a Jim Danny's not too far away from here. So it ain't all over, Paula. We're going to Jim Danny's, baby. <laughs> but I remarked to you last week how that we went on our first date, and you know that's always a little bit awkward. Yeah, I'm not sure what to say. You're not, you know, you want to impress each other, and you want to have, and you're just there, and it's like you've got all this chatting going on, but nothing meaningful is really coming out of the conversation. Well, 29 years later, we can kind of look at each other and know what each other's thinking now. How does that happen? 29 years of walking together. It's come through walking through mountaintop experiences, and it's come through times when tears have flowed down our faces. We've not had answers. We've walked through different... All of those things have caused us to come to the place now where we don't even have to say words sometimes to share what's going on. Friends, I want to tell you, if you walk close to the Lord throughout your life, when troubles come, you know right where to go to. He's right here beside you. Let's pick up from there. That's where we're going to pick up today. My first challenge to you today is this. When praying, don't just focus on the facts of your crisis. Focus on the truth about God. Don't just focus on the facts of your crisis, but focus on the truth about God. Look at verses 5 and 6 in 2 Chronicles 20. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and he said these words, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, power. And might are in your hand. And notice this last phrase. And no one, say no one. No one one can withstand you. He is God in heaven. He's God over everything. Jehoshaphat is reminding himself. God knows who he is. He's not saying it so God can get the picture. This is about Jehoshaphat getting the picture. Sometimes in the middle of our storm, we've got to remind ourselves who our God is and what he can do and that there's nothing too hard. The crisis can cause us, as the other verse said, verse 3, to be alarmed. And sometimes when that happens, your mind begins to race and you see the trouble and you see the difficulties and you're like, oh my Lord, what are we going to do? I like the fact that Jehoshaphat says you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, including the ones that have set themselves against me. We need to vocalize these things in prayer, not just think about them. Look at verse 7. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever? Forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or of plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us 
and save us. Jehoshaphat is reminding God of the prayer of King Solomon that was prayed at the dedication of the temple. Biblical history tells us that when Solomon had dedicated the temple and they came together to dedicate the Lord, he prayed this prayer of which Jehoshaphat has rehearsed. The Bible tells us when he prayed this prayer, the fire of God came and filled the temple and the presence of God filled the house. What Jehoshaphat is doing is he's reaching back. Let me tell you something. Not everything in your past is a bad thing. He's reaching back into his past, into the substance of his past. You and I today are a part of a fellowship of believers known as the Assemblies of God. The Assemblies of God has a very rich heritage in prayer. This fellowship was not birthed out of a committee room, but it was birthed out of the prayer and the presence of God. My challenge to you today as believers is that we need to reach back into our heritage, reach back and head again to the altar of prayer, reach back and pull strength from where we've come from. I know today the world has changed. I know the world is not the same as it was then, but God is still the same. The world is changing at such a fast pace, we can't even keep up with all the changes. But God is still yet the same. Look at verse 10. But now, here are men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory, God, you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they're repaying us. By dry, coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. How many of you know that's just kind of talking to God? Sometimes we think we have to have all of our prayers just put together and it's got to be these perfect words. And how many, how many of y'all speak in King James Version at home? Isn't it amazing how we think when we have to talk to God? How many of you know, I've got a shocker for you. God doesn't speak King James either. Now, some of y'all just tripped over that. <laughs> King James spoke in King James. God speaks the language of God. Stronger than human language. We think, well, I've got to put all my prayers together in these nice, fancy words. Friend, just talk to him. Just talk to him. He's wanting him from you. We find Jehoshaphat says, Lord, look. Look how these people are repaying us. They're coming to drive us out of the possession that you gave us. Notice how he prays. Our God, will you not judge them? Notice these phrases. For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We do not know what to do. You ever been there? We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Here we are, Lord, he's saying. We're in this place. We're fulfilling the vow that was made to you when Solomon was king. We're here, we're asking you to hear from heaven. We're asking you to hear us in our distress. And oh God, we're calling on you to save us. We don't have any power against this large army. Now the truth is history would tell us King Jehoshaphat had hundreds of thousands of foot soldiers. Men who were trained in battle. Men who had swords and spears and shields and knew how to fight. But Jehoshaphat realizes that his power doesn't come from his foot soldiers. The power to win this battle will not come through a spear or a sword or man's mind. The power will not come from those. He says in verse 12, we have no power to face this vast army. How many times do we try to resolve in ourselves with our own power? Then if that doesn't work, we'll call on God. 
King Jehoshaphat doesn't do that. He's not taking any chances. The passage we read over the last couple of weeks tells us he called for people to fast and to pray. He's relying on God. He's strengthening his faith in God by reminding himself who God is. He's teaching you and I to focus on the truth about God, not the facts of the crisis. It has been said that if you only look at the facts, they will discourage you. But if you look to the truth, it will encourage you. The next thing I would challenge you with today is this. Listen for God's voice in the place of prayer. Listen for God's voice. In the place of prayer, look at verse 13. All of the men of Judah with their wives and the children, their little ones, stood before the Lord. They came. They positioned themselves to hear from the Lord. Friend, I want to challenge you to put yourself in a place to hear from the Lord. God is still speaking. God is still speaking. God is still, 2019, God is still speaking to his people. God has things that he wants to say about our situations. God wants to bring balance into our lives. We lay out our needs before him. Then I want to encourage you, listen for his response. Now, often we come to prayer and we think listening is just listening in that moment. You ever have those times? Say you got your your chair out, you're in your prayer place. You're saying, oh, God, you know this vast need I've got. Oh, God, I need to hear from you. God, I need you to do something. And you're sitting in the chair. God, I need you today. Amen. Amen. Okay, God, now I'm listening. Okay, God, where you at? How many know God doesn't always do it in our time frame? (laughs) You ever send somebody a text and if they immediately don't respond to your text? I know you're all spiritual, but you get miffed. Yeah. We kind of think God's on the same time frame. You know something? Let me just tell you something. Sometimes if I don't respond to you immediately on a text, it might be because I'm busy. How many know God doesn't always respond either in my time frame and in the way I think you ought to? Here's what I encourage you to do. Position yourself. Put yourself in a place to hear from God. What do I mean by that? God can speak to you in many different ways. I'll be honest with you. I have served Jesus the majority of my life, and I have never been in the prayer room praying, and an audible voice shook the foundation of the prayer room, and I heard. But there are many, many times in my walk with Christ when God has spoken to my heart, and he's done it in many different ways ways. One of the things I want to encourage you in, uh, God in his wise providence has chosen to use human vessels often to speak through. You know, God doesn't do it the way that we would. How many know that humans have the ability to mess things up? Y'all remember that telephone game? Some of y'all are too young. You're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. The telephone game, you'd start the conversation one side of the circle, and by the time it got around, isn't it amazing how the story had changed? We know those facts about humanity, and so often when somebody comes to us and they say, you know what, God's been speaking something to my heart, we immediately put up a front and we go, oh, you're probably going to mess this up. Let's just be honest. There's this fear 
inside of us because maybe we heard one time somebody said, well, God said, and, and listen, God wasn't in it at all. You know what I'm talking about? Don't get quiet on me, church. Somebody said, God said, and, and God, it was in the flesh. I mean, you know, that happens. Humanity, that happens. Here's the danger. If we're not careful, we throw it all out. And so we say, anytime anybody comes and says, you know what, the Lord has been speaking this to my heart, we throw it all out. God still speaks through people. I'll give you an example. Um, two, two Sundays ago, if you will remember, uh, just before I got to share the word, Paula shared about a dream that she had had that morning uh, about um, uh, the Spirit trying to put his hand over my mouth to keep me from speaking. That was on early on a Sunday morning. So we came to her. She shared that. After church, somebody else came and said, listen, I had a dream early this morning that pastor was sitting in a chair and this uh, being was standing in front of him speaking things to me, trying to get me to cower down and to be silent. Had a meeting this week with an individual the exact same morning had a dream that I was out in a field and there was a spirit being trying to silence my words. Now you can say, okay, they all had pizza. <laughs> you can say all these, you know, weird things. And we can say, listen, three separate people had very similar dreams the exact same morning. You can say God is not speaking. I would say God is still speaking. God can still speak through dreams. Many of you, you have experienced God speaking to you through a dream. Some of you, it's been, uh, you know, you got up the next morning, you've been praying, you got up the next morning and opened a devotional that you've been in, and God speaks to you in that devotional, or you open up a passage of Scripture and, and that leaps off the page. Some of you, somebody calls you and says, you know what, I feel really weird. Sometimes people say, I feel really weird to tell you this. I just feel like I need to tell you this. Angie did it today. God's speaking to her up here. How many of we been in that spot? We go, okay, Lord, is that me? Is that you? Do you worry? God, do you really want me to do it? Okay, well, I'll keep thinking about it. And we're like Angie, and we walk off the platform, and we get off the platform, and God says, ah. Listen, I know, I know that when humanity gets involved, sometimes people can be in the flesh. Listen, don't throw it out because humanity is involved. If they share something with you, it doesn't bear witness with you, and it doesn't seem right, fine. Set it over here and say, Lord, I'm not sure about that, but I'm just going to set it right here for now. Often what happens, though, we say, you know what, I'm so afraid of that happening. I'm so afraid of, of people being used in the gifts of the Spirit. We're just going to set it over here. We're missing, we're missing a great blessing that God has for us. Because God still is speaking. Listen, listen for God to speak in whatever avenue that he chooses. Number six, when you pray, God will take your problems as his own. Verse 14. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, and a descendant from Asaph. He stood in the assembly and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be climbing up by the path of Ziz. God even knows where your enemy's at. God even knows what your enemy is planning because he's God. He says, you'll find them climbing up by the path of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You and I thought the problem was ours. But when you and I go to God, the problem becomes his. He takes it for us. Have you ever received an invitation to something? Maybe someone was getting married. Recently we've had graduation open houses and graduation ceremonies. And you go to the mailbox and there's an invitation you open up. And that person has, sent, has, has thought about you and they have sent this invitation. And what they have said to you is, I want you to come and be involved in my situation. Maybe it was a graduation. They said, I want you to come and be here while I'm graduating. I, when we're getting married, I want you to come and be a part of our wedding celebration. You're inviting that person to come in to your situation. That's exactly what prayer does in our lives. We're inviting God to come and be in our situation. When that happens, the problem becomes his. There's something about, how many of you in this room are parents? Lift your hand if you're a parent. When you're a parent and your child has something going on, it's amazing. Today I am, I'm 51 years old. I can call my mother I don't have to tell my mom anything's going on. My mother will say these words, what's going on? 51 years later, I still try to cover it up. What? Don't know what you're talking about, mom. She'll say, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What's going on? And so then I'll tell her, okay, mom, this, this is going on, this has happened. You know what happens? My mom gets involved. Well, let me tell you something. I don't know if your mom ever did that to you, but my mom does. Well, let me tell you something. Well, they better not do that. They don't want to get between uh, you and me and my mom will get in the middle. You see, what happens is when my mom finds out, my mom gets involved. My mother has never went, oh, okay, well, you just handle that real well. My mom gets involved. When you and I go to prayer, God gets involved. Hmm. Why? Because it's the, the father to the child. God looks down on us, and when we're calling on him, he says, let me step in. <laughs> I kind of hear God sometimes say, they don't want to mess with me. I'll suck the air out of the room. <laughs> I put life in them, I'll just take it back out. You thought the problem was yours, but when you go to God, the problem becomes his. Cast all your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Give them to God, and here's the troubling thing for us. Leave it in his care. Now, the truth is, as an adult, when my mama says, oh, no, they didn't, I immediately go, oh, my goodness, what have I just done? My mom's going after you. <laughs> And sometimes I go, oh, no. Oh, no, I hope she don't say something. Oh, no, I hope, my, I hope she doesn't go on mom on them, you know. Don't you know sometimes we do that with God? I've invited him in, oh, no. Now, God, don't mess this up for me. God, don't, God, don't. Come on now, God, just be calm about this. <laughs> Sometimes we're worried about what the response is going to be. Here's what I encourage you to do. Take it to him. Leave it in his care. Which brings to my next point. After you've prayed and God's spoken to your heart, believe him. Look at your neighbor say, believe him. Look at verse number 17. 
He says, you'll not have to fight this battle. Just take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some of the Levites from the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the, for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Here's what had happened. They got this word of the Lord. They heard the word of the Lord. They're all excited. The Levites stood up, and they're praising God. I mean, they're kind of just having a little shouting time of praise. Then they all go back to their tents and go to bed. And then they get up the next morning. Sometimes we've had our little praise fest, and then we have another day that goes by, and we begin to doubt. Was that really God last night, or was that really just kind of us? Jehoshaphat gets them together, and he reminds them again who God is. He says, have faith in God. Just believe. What do they have to do? Just believe. Do they have to sharpen their swords? Do they have to uh, do all these real big things to get ready? He says, just believe. Just believe. If you don't believe God's word and his promise for you, my friend, you are back to square one. Just believe. Last of all, I would share with you this. Praising God before he works. Notice the the. The order of things, praising God before he works, sets the stage for God to work. Part of believing is treating it like it's already done. Mark chapter 11 verse 24 says, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Notice the words, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. If God says he's going to take care of it, Just rest. Just rest in that. Lord, I thank you that you're taking care of it. I thank you that you're God on the throne. I thank you that you're God over my enemies. I thank you that you are the strong tower I can hide in. Let's wrap this up. Look in verse 21. He's got them together in the morning. They're getting ready to head out. Verse 21 says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord. I like that he picked the men to sing. The reason I like that is because often in the church world, the women are doing everything. We need godly men. We need godly men that will stand up. He appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out, notice this, ahead of the army. And they said this, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. When I read that in preparation, I thought, you know, if I was going out, I would sing something like, God, I'm glad you gave me the victory. God, I'm glad you're going to wipe up my enemies today. God, I'm glad that you're stronger than the enemy. God, I'm glad we're not afraid today. God, I'm glad that you're going to take them right back where they came. I'm glad, God, you are going to be with me today. That's not what they said. They went out and just declared about their God. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Notice this, verse 22. As they began, there's a a really important word. As they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Notice how it happened, verse 23. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. 
So here's what happened. They're allies. They said, hey, men of Mount Seir, we're going to go. We're going to wipe out Jehoshaphat. You want to come and have fun with us? And they said, well, sure, we'll come and we'll come to your aid. And so they're all together. They get there. All of a sudden, they turn on the men of Mount Seir. Notice what happens then. After they'd finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Notice the words of verse 24. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, and they looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. Notice this. No one had escaped. You've got to get the picture here. They just showed up where they were supposed to be. And God already had taken care of the battle. Verse 25, so Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, also articles of value, more than they could take away. God blesses and blesses and blesses and blesses and blesses and blesses. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled together in the valley of Berkah, where they had praised the Lord, and that's why it is called the valley of Berkah to this day. Some of your translations say the valley of blessing. Friends, some think if God delivers me, then I will praise him. If you do it that way, you'll only praise him for his blessings and not who he is. But if you praise God before you go out, when you praise God before the battle begins, you praise him for who he is, we praise him before the miracle, then God can go before you and bless you in an area that looks to be an impossibility. Hoshaphat led. In the influence of prayer. Now the truth is today you and I are in this place. July 2019. Some of you have some situations that are utterly impossible. I got uh, some texts this week and some messages and talked about family members who, uh, who are not doing well physically. And uh, I talked to people who have some difficulties that they're walking through. I think all of us today in this room probably have something in our life that we need God to be involved in. The last couple of weeks we've closed the service together with prayer, and we're going to do that this morning, but I want us to do it a different way. Pastor Jeremy, if you'll go ahead and begin to help me. Uh, ushers, if you'll begin to go ahead and help me. They're going to pass out some cards to you. When you get the card, I'll just hold it for just a minute, and then I'll give you some instruction in a minute how we're going to close this time together, Paula and the worship team can come. Because the Bible is true when it declares that many are the afflictions of the righteous, I know today we're all having things that are going, going through. We've got situations beyond our control. We've got situations that are impossible for us to handle. Today you find a cross set before us. I think all of us as believers understand the meaning of the cross. Paul, I want to ask you to make a change. You're the God of miracles. The song you sing earlier. As we were in worship, the Lord began to speak tomorrow that that was the song as we were to close today. Because some of you just need to say, I believe that you're the God of my miracle. I can't handle this. You're kind of like King Josh Fat. 
it's too big for me. I can't handle this. I can't figure it out. I don't know what to do. I, I can't seem to make this thing happen. We've got to declare together today, you're the God of my miracle. So this morning is you've received a card. What I'd like to ask you to do, this is, uh, you're going to put this on here. It's not for anybody else to see. Just put a prayer request, an area of prayer you need a miracle in your life in. Maybe it's for a family. And, and you can put whatever on there helps you describe it. Maybe it's for an unsaved child, and you might just say son or daughter. Marriage. Finances. Whatever area, co-worker, my job, sickness, whatever, whatever area. There's not a believer in this place that doesn't have something we can't pray about. Because we have needs all around us. And so I just want to encourage you to take that. There should be some pins in the back seat. If you're on the front row, you can reach or the people behind you can give you a pin. It's right on there. It's my prayer. Maybe it's a thing. Here, I want to encourage you. Maybe it's something you've prayed for. Don't be ashamed to put it on there again. God, I'm still, I'm still praying for this. Because I believe you're the God of miracles. So I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in until I see it. I'm not going to be discouraged. Uh, uh, Jehoshaphat said, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Trust. Believe in your God. God, I'm writing it down again. I'm believing you today. You're the God of miracles. So after you've written that on there, I'm going to ask you, if you will, across the room just to stand. Just stand right where you're at. you're still riding, keep riding and when you're done, you can stand with us. You've got that thing right there in your hand. For some of you, when you think about what's on that piece of paper, sometimes it makes tears run down your face. For some of you, it's something you've been very fearful of. You've been very worried and troubled over You've written it on there. You're just holding it. I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to pray. Do you remember earlier I talked to you about the invitation? Here's what I want to encourage you. Just take that piece of paper. You can fold it, hold it. You don't have to do it so you might see what's on it. Just hold it like this out in front of you. What you're doing is you're inviting God. Okay? We're going to pray now. You just keep holding that out there. Maybe your words are going to be, God, I'm giving you this today. God, I'm giving you this situation. God, I'm giving you my circumstance. I'm giving it to you today. Let's pray as you hold it out there. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are the God of heaven, and you're the God of earth. You're the God that can do the impossible. You're the God that nothing is too hard for. You're the God who wants to be involved in our lives. Lord, today we hold this need out in front of you. We're inviting you today to be involved. We're inviting you today to come into this situation. We need you today. There is no one else we can call on but you. No one has the words we need to hear, no one has the power that you have everything around us is limited but you are unlimited so God today by faith we've written this request on this piece of paper and we invite you right now God to come and be a part we need you we need the God of miracles to be involved in our situation. We trust you. And right now, 
We're just going to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's what I want you to do. You've got that piece of paper. Paul and the worship team is going to begin to sing, I believe you're the God of miracles. I want to encourage you to take a step and do something. Take your piece of paper today. I'm going to ask you to come from wherever you're at. We're just going to lay them down here at the foot of the cross today. We're going to, lay, we're going to take them. We're going to leave them there with him today. Maybe some of you physically, you can't get up to come down. It's all right. Just fold yours up and give it to your neighbor and let your neighbor take it. They'll place it there for you. And so they're going to begin to sing. And as they do all across the room, you can just start making your way towards the front. Just come, and we're going to lay them at the foot of the cross, and we're going to give them to him today. You are the God of miracles. You are the God of my miracle today. Every person in this room, we can declare that with boldness and assurance. You're the God of my miracle. You are my God, and I trust in you today. Father, we've brought our needs and our requests. And Lord, in an act of faith, we've laid them at the foot of the cross today to leave them there because we trust you. All across the room, would you just say that word? Say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Lord, today we trust you. We trust in your word. We take confidence in your word. We take confidence in who you are. Today we declare, I'm not afraid. I trust you. I'm not discouraged today. I trust you. I'm not anxious today. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Lord, would you just help us today for those that are struggling with belief. Lord, we pray today along with Thomas, help my unbelief. Yes, Lord. Help me to believe today. Help me to believe today. Help me to stand strong in you. Father, I know that your word tells us, call upon me and you will answer. So, Lord, we brought our needs and our petitions and our requests to you today. Lord, tomorrow morning when the sun comes up, we're going to remind ourselves that you are the God who is faithful. And the day after that, we're going to remind ourselves you're the God. You're the God in control of everything. Lord, we're going to stand firm in you. So, Father, I ask today, Lord, just your abiding presence will come and minister to each person today. Corporately and individually, may we stand strong in faith in you. In the name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, may his abiding peace rest over your life. May his abiding peace keep you. He is the prince of peace over your life. He is peace the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. He is your peace. May your minds be quieted by his peace. May your hearts may your hearts be guarded with his peace. May his peace be with you. May his peace go with you. May his peace be in you. May you walk every day of your life connected to his abiding peace in Jesus name amen amen friends lead in the influence of prayer and see 
what God won't do. God bless you all today. Have a great day. May the joy of the Lord always be your strength. God bless you.